0: Hey everybody, Scott Malcolm here from Money Mechanics. Just a quick message to say any information that we share during this podcast is general information only. Please do not act on that information without considering the appropriateness towards your specific needs and outcomes. Ideally, we suggest that you go and meet with a financial planner and get personal advice. Hi folks, welcome along to another episode of Looking Under the Hood. I'm Scott Malcolm and we're here to unpack the money stuff. Today we are talking that really exciting subject of insurances. How insurance policies work and what you should be covered for can often be overwhelming. Today I'm joined by Catherine Hayes from Hayes & Co Insurance Services in Canberra. But also one part of the Money Madams podcast. I'm uh, I'm actually feeling a little bit excited that Catherine's agreed to come and talk to me. Welcome along, Catherine.
1: I'm very excited to be here, and I do think insurance is exciting. But I don't think most people think that. But you know, I like to nerd out on insurance. That's my thing.
0: <laughs> Finance geeks unite! I think. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Having having the right framework in place is is so important. What's one of your early, happy uh, memories when it comes to the money stuff.
1: When I got given this question, I actually had a little bit of a downer moment because it made me think, all about my money memories and when I was a child most of my money memories were actually quite negative but Uh it wasn't until I was in my early adult years that I actually started to change my beliefs around money so I was one of those you know child of the 80s and a lot of people were struggling with high interest rates and the like Mm. and I just saw money as something that people were stressed about it was struggles it was all too hard so that Mm. actually gave me the motivation to go you know what I want to know how this works. I want to know how to make the most of the money that I do have to earn more to be in charge of money instead of money being in charge of me. And it was in my early 20s when I saved up enough money to fulfil my goal of going to live in France for six months to learn the language over oh, there. So that was enchanté. like... Yes. Trevienne, so Trevienne. I, <laughs> yeah, ça so And... Um, I just love that. And that was a really big empowerment moment for me, especially when I came back and people were saying, oh, my gosh, I would love to do something like that. And I would turn around and say, well, why don't you just do it? and they're like, no, mm. I can't. And then I realised that through the exercise, I'd changed my money set about what I could achieve if I put my yeah. mind to it on my goals.
0: You've also uh, now learned the two uh, words that I know in French, so uh, please don't uh, think that I know more than that. But um.
1: <laughs> Well, I have lost a lot of the language, but, you know, I've still got the basics yeah.
0: <laughs> there. Oui, ça va, ça va bien? That, that can go on forever, can't yeah, it? Ça va bien, Comment <laughs> ça va? <laughs> <laughs> So let's get on to that exciting topic of insurance today. People have probably, and I know, looked at their Super statement and gone. Ah, oh, what's life insurance? And and look, we are talking about life insurance today, not not general insurances. But uh-huh. how does it work?
1: Okay. Well, the first thing is, you know, if people are even reading their superannuation statements, that's always a good start. Well, <laughs> it really yeah. surprises yeah, me yeah, that yeah, people true, true. who
0: don't even know what's
1: in there. <laughs> so, um, so life insurance it is in its simplest form is a lump sum that is paid to you to sort out your financial issues or to alleviate your financial issues when something bad happens to you. And, you know, to make it confusing, when we say life insurance, that refers to two things. There's an actual product called life insurance, which pays you out when you die or you're terminally ill, but it also refers to the broad suite of insurances that are available mm. to protect your life, whether it's income protection or trauma or permanent disability. So it's a bit of a broad beast that one.
0: What are some of the like the history of the industry? I know you're involved with a few of the the working groups and things, but we, we've seen a bit of change over the last few years. So mm. in, in that lump sum space, I guess it, it's it's often quite easy because you're either alive or you're dead. Yes. Um, although I recall there was that case of that that couple over in uh, the UK a few years ago where uh, the husband apparently died but then turned up in Spain or something um, and (laughs) then the wife (laughs) moved moved, moved over there and they got this Mm. massive insurance payout that was later uh, taken back from them. So what what do the other insurances do? So you talked about trauma and and TPD and then income protection.
1: That's right. So life insurance being the one most people are familiar with, as I said, you pass away or you're terminally ill, which means you might have less than 12 or 24 months to live and that will give you a a huge lump sum to fulfill a range of goals now the next one is your income protection that's probably the next well-known insurance and that is designed to replace typically around about 75 percent of your income and it does vary and it's designed to give you that continuity of cash flow while you're unable to work so most people don't understand when it actually kicks in and the best way to think of it is it's not unemployment insurance it is your ability to work so if you are unable to work because a doctor has said you can't work in full or to your full capacity, maybe you can you can only work fifty percent. That insurance is designed to kick in and give you that consistency of cash flow until you are able to resume work, and that could be anything impact, impacting your ability to work, such as a physical problem or a mental problem. Then we move on to things like uh, TPD insurance. So that stands for total and permanent disability. So most people have that attached to their life cover within their super fund. And this is for when things get really bad. So we're talking here a lump sum payout. If you've got something that it's not going to go away... And it's expected that you will never be able to resume work again. Uh, And how the quality of that cover varies as opposed to any occupation you could be suited to or just the specific job that you do on a day-to-day basis. Um, And these are things that you typically nut out with an advisor to work out what suits you. Mm. The last key insurance would be trauma insurance. So this insurance is more designed to give you a lump sum, Uh, when you get diagnosed with a specific range of medical conditions. So this one has nothing to do with your ability to work. It's purely paid on diagnosis and people will also use that for a range of reasons.
0: I do like your comment before around especially income protection because that's often a a big misconception Mm. around redundancy cover because Mm. I guess some financial institutions might offer redundancy cover on a loan for argument's sake, but income protection generally doesn't have that same cover, does it?
1: Yeah, it's it's a completely different beast. And mm. there are so many variations when it comes to the, the quality of income protection out there. And a, a huge part of that is dictated by whether you have it inside super or outside super, as well as uh, whether you get the, the real deal income protection let's call it versus the, uh, the cheap and nasty sick, sickness and accident policies which are found under a general insurance license. So the quality can vary quite a lot and then the cost can be astronomically different from one end to the other based on uh, your waiting period. So unlike car insurance which has a dollar-based excess insurance, for income protection is based on a time-based excess. How long are you prepared mm-hmm. to support yourself before the insurer takes over and starts to support you? And then how much you're insured for and how long you want the insurance company to protect you, assuming that you know you couldn't work for two years, five years, or the rest of your working life.
0: Yeah, well, interestingly, I had a, a client came into my office and they actually have a policy that had a lifetime income protection. And Yeah, so- you can't get
1: those anymore. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'd never seen that before and I was like, wow, this is really interesting. I've still
1: got a few clients with those.
0: (laughs) And and I guess that's the thing because there are a lot of changes happening with regards to how, especially APRA being the Australian Prudential Regulatory Authority um, and Mm -hmm. a lot of the insurance companies uh, have been looking at the industry. So, and I understand you've been involved in a lot of the the working group and uh, some of those elements as well, Catherine. The uptake from what I understand is that because a lot of, People have gone on to claim, especially in the income protection space, probably pre-COVID, but also with COVID coming through, APRA's been concerned about the sustainability of the industry.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, typically what's been happening is that the insurance companies have been running at a loss when it comes to income protection. So, they may experience less claims in some of the lump sum covers. So, they were almost cross-subsidising their covers, but they were Mm. still... Overall, making a large loss. And it wasn't necessarily because people were making more claims than usual. We would just start to see a trend that once people went on claim, They were staying on claim for a really long time. And part of this was because the insurers were in an arms race to try and outdo each other for product ratings, offering really generous terms and conditions. And then the benefit of these retail policies that you typically get through an advisor is that once you've received the terms and conditions, the insurer can't actually take away any of those terms and conditions. So now they've realised they've kind of dug themselves a hole. They've got people out there with Mm. these really good policies that they haven't priced appropriately for the risk that they took on. So APRA's pretty much stepped in and said, look, you now have to make sure that each of these products that you're offering must be profitable, or at least you can't be losing money hand over fist on it. And part of forcing their hands to do that is also limiting or saying that we want you to offer less generous products, which I think is crazy because one of the things we had in the lead up to the Royal Commission was the government bodies digging at insurance companies saying that, I'm sorry, but we think you need to update your definitions and make them generous. And now they're turning around only a few years later saying, we think your definitions are too too generous generous. and we want you to water them down. And it's like, come on, like a bit of whiplash there, you know. Yeah,
0: crazy, exactly. Mm. And you touched on it before around those accident and injury policies and sadly I had a client uh, a few years ago who had bought a accidental death policy and was referred to me and I sort of met with him for the first time and I think he had a terminal cancer diagnosis but he had an accidental death policy and um, unfortunately that's that's only if you die from an accident not if you are dying from a terminal illness or, or natural mm. causes so I think as you said before it's that that quality of the uh, the contract that's that's really important. <laughs> In your humble opinion, Catherine, Mm -hmm. what is the most important insurance that people should have?
1: Well, out of the four that are there, for me, I would say my favourite is income protection insurance. Life insurance, I think, is really important too. But at the end of the day, generally the person who is insured for life insurance is not around to experience the benefits of it. (laughs) So Mm. so I'm going to say income protection simply because when you think about it, Your income is probably the biggest asset that you own. So let's say when you think about what you're earning, so let's say you're a 30 year old, you're expecting 30 years in the workforce. And let's say you're averaging 100K over that 30 years. That's a $3 million asset. Before looking at inflation and pay rises and other assets, that's $3 million that you will earn. And it would likely be more than that. So when you take out income protection insurance, you're insuring that $3 million asset. So when you think about the premiums that you pay for it and they're tax deductible, generally speaking, it's actually pretty cheap to insure that major asset. So if I was driving a $3 million car or lived in a $3 million home, you would absolutely... Bet your bottom dollar that I would be insuring that in case I lost it because that would be really hard to come back
0: from. Mm. And people people don't think about it, do they?
1: No, they don't. And if you don't have that, what's the alternative? You know, we're talking Centrelink. If you can get it, because maybe you've got a partner, that might mean that you can't get it. And, mm. you know, it's really hard to you think about the mortgage that are out there and home prices. If you don't have an income stream, being able to do all those things that most people dream about, pretty much becomes off the table you won't you know if you're on a long term income protection claim all of that future the possibilities just fizzles out and disappears and that's not a good place to be in so i really like income protection mm. for maintaining that that financial independence and then life insurance is probably my second favorite because just of how important it is because that's also the scenario that you're protecting the people that you care about. So rather than being life insurance, I think of it as love insurance. It's saying to somebody, oh, no matter what happens to I really to like me, that. Yeah. Can
0: we sit with that? Love insurance.
1: Yeah, well, I would love to say I was one who came up with that, but it was actually one of the insurers. They put out a brilliant campaign and (laughs) I loved it. And it was just saying it was talking about making a commitment that no matter what, um, I will be there to support you even if I can't be there in person. And that's what it is, whether it's to your children, to your spouse. You can't take away the the emotional pain of what's happened, but you can take Mm. away the financial pain.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I have often said to clients, you've probably experienced the same thing. First time you meet them sitting in the office and one said to me, oh, my wife's just passed away and we've got a young, two young children. I'm just trying to navigate what we've got and where things are at. And and thankfully, um, in this situation, the wife had had insurance built into the superannuation. But if it had been the other way around and the wife had been sitting there, then the, the husband hadn't had as, as much cover in place. And I think that's the important thing in just building out your framework making sure you understand what your backup plan is so that it is just about giving your, your family members that that stability and certainty if the worst did happen.
1: And, yeah, and giving them space and time to grieve. And and some of it takes seeing the situation being lived out. I had a, a case a couple of years ago where um, we had the terminal insurance paid out and normally that's paid when they, the doctors think you've got less than a year or two to live. This guy ended up living okay. for five years Now, because he knew he was going to die, he wanted to enjoy the time he had left. I mean, who wouldn't, Mm. you know? You want to make memories with the people around you. And for me, that's when I started changing the strategy around how much we set aside for different things because it was really hard watching the couple become stressed out with each other because he was spending money because he was going to die and she was Mm. wanting him to slow down because he was spending money that she needed to live. So ever since yeah, then with the clients, wow. I use that story to say, if this happens, we need a separate amount that you can use to go make memories and live life the way you choose mm. without ever feeling stressed or worried that all these other goals you had for when you are gone without knowing that they're going to be put at risk from us doing this. And these days, about half of the life insurance claims I have are t- terminal illness benefits. So it's um, it's not that drop of the hat all the time. yeah. I also love trauma insurance I probably have way too much of it for myself but one of the reasons I love trauma insurance is because it's a lump sum that's paid out it's paid out probably quicker than any other type of insurance mm. because it's not looking at your ability to work. It's just, let's say you get diagnosed with cancer, it's basically just sending in the the medical reports to the insurer and then going, do you have this condition? Is it covered by your policy? And then you get that, you know, generally like it's a tax-free lump sum to use as you see fit. And people will use that for a range of reasons, but it's that immediate stress reliever. And mm. it's amazing how people's... Medical, their prognosis can improve when you take away stress, uh, or if it means the ability for a spouse to cut back their hours to be with that person, no matter where they are, or to, in some cases, access treatments that your doctor might say, "Look, there is this option, but it's you know it's not covered under PBS, and or you may have to fly overseas to get this treatment." To be able to say, "Yes, I'm going to do that, and money is not a problem," that's really freeing. So I really like to see that because life insurance is important but even though you're giving that money there's not really any happiness in that moment things like Mm. a trauma insurance payout gives people more hope
0: yeah, mm. definitely. And look, I, I think I'm guilty as charged as well with having probably a little bit too much trauma insurance, but yep. uh, maybe that, that comes with uh, our lives in the industry and uh, and hearing horror stories. Oh,
1: that's it. And, you know, I'm a little bit weird about this kind of stuff because there are conditions in that once again, they are so generous and I'm a redhead and uh, I did not have a sun-smart childhood. So, um, <laughs> so I fully expect at the very minimum to have a partial claim because that's what people don't realise that a lot of good, the more comprehensive contracts they will give you a payment for a partial or a low-grade cancer event Um, so for me Mm. you know there's a little part of me that's a little bit weird that just goes I wouldn't mind just a little bit of that (laughs) something highly treatable you know and you know I could have a lot of fun with that.
0: For people listening who might have say default covering in place and I think you've touched on a few times going to an advisor getting advice from people is is often a a good avenue and and I definitely support that as well but what if people have got default cover in place through super or or otherwise uh, or they've answered a phone call from their bank uh, or credit card provider and uh, signed up for a policy what should they look at Uh,
1: just even hearing that scenario, I hear it all have the I time. Have I, I triggered you? I know you, you. have. <laughs> I just like, I feel this like sense of dread and just spreading across from my chest just because of people really don't understand some of the limitations and the dangers. So there's nothing more dangerous than thinking that you're protected when you aren't a really Mm. good case study is with COVID. There's been a lot of people not working. So one of the dangers when you have the entirety of your income protection through super is that not only do you have to meet the insurance policy conditions, which when it's held through super are greatly watered down for something that you would alternatively have set up through an advisor, you also have to meet the superannuation laws to get that money out of the super environment. So one of those rules is that a super fund can only release to you what you were earning at the time of claim. Now, if you have been laid off because of COVID or stood down or any of those events, and then you went and had a car accident or had a heart attack, the super fund cannot release that money to you. So a lot of people got tripped up by that. And this could happen with, Mm. you know, someone on sabbatical, all these other scenarios that, yes, you could be sick and meet the insurance policy, but by law, you can't get your hands on that money. And then what good is it to you then? So at the end of the day, the whole aim of, insurance is to make sure that you get the financial support and the payments when you need it most. But by having those Mm. legislative risks on top of your insurance that can be entirely avoided, it just makes me really nervous, people thinking that they're protected when they're not. Um, Even things like elective surgery can be an issue if you have a policy entirely held through super, especially if that involves a very long recovery time. The other aspect is something that I'm a really big believer in, and that is guaranteed... Uh, renewable terms so when you Mm. have cover through a superannuation fund they are often talked about you know we do this on a group basis for our members and that is absolutely true but what that happens is because they are going out and doing a group arrangement the insurance contract is basically between the super fund and the insurer and you just happen to benefit from that arrangement but you have no say or control about it Now, if you were to do the alternative and you go and say, hey, you know, insurance company A, I would like to be covered for this amount and protected under these terms, but I would also like to pay it from my current super fund. That is something that you can generally do. And advisors are very good with helping people out with this. The difference is that when you go direct with the insurer, even if it's funded via your super, the terms are protected. They can't take away anything. And you've also got more features that you can access that you can't do under that group arrangement. So for me, that's a really big thing. And if you ever change super funds, you can take it with you to the new super fund. Whereas under the group Mm. arrangement, if the insurer changes the terms, you can't change that. They can cancel it on you. Sometimes there can be built-in restrictions. And the pricing also swings more wildly. We've been seeing in the group insurance space, you know, 76% increase on Host Plus's income protection premiums. We saw Unisuper put up, there's 133% a couple of months ago. So really wild swings and no side of the industry is immune to that, but we're seeing a lot of it in that space. And when I look at my analysis for the clients, I see, I'm actually finding that their group cover is actually costing them more than what I can arrange for them. Mm. And we're talking significantly more than what I can arrange for them while they've got better cover.
0: The strategy is so important. Mm. I saw a few of the insurance ads the, the other day oh, okay. I, I don't often watch commercial television I, I often stream everything but one of them was like the the heteronormative couples in there and having the conversation going oh honey we really need to think about this oh we'll just call real insurance babes it'll be fun yeah it's um, so simple <laughs> and yeah it's so simple simples but mm. you don't get advice and I, I guess that's my, my problem with some of those things how much cover do you need what do you need
1: yeah those ones drive me nuts and I tell mm. people that they say yes, we guarantee to insure you, I think it's better to describe it as yes, we guarantee to take your money, but we will work out if you're ever insurable when it comes to claim time. Whereas the policies Mm. that advisors help their clients with, you know, yes, it takes longer to set it up, but we go through the process of establishing what your health looks, your occupation and your pastimes. And if the insurer has an issue with it, where they say, look, we've looked at this part of your health history or your pastime and we're not quite prepared to insure this, but we'll cover everything else. You walk into it, eyes wide open, knowing what you're covered for or what you're not. Whereas these other ones, it's more mm-hmm. like a hope and a prayer that you're, you'll be insured. The other mm-hmm. aspect is the insurance, relying on insurance in super most people don't even know how much they've got and those that do might say oh look as long as my home loan is paid off my spouse and children will be fine and that's just because that's what's put to people in their mind that's what you need to take care of you if you take care of the debts that'll be enough and one of the best ways to think this through is if you're you know whether you're paying rent or you've got a mortgage if you think about what you're earning or what your spouse is earning I very much doubt, and I hope it's not the case, that 100% of your wage goes towards those rent or mortgage repayments. So if you died or your spouse died and you had enough to get rid of the mortgage or to buy a house so you didn't have to pay rent anymore, odds are half or more of your income, even when you no longer have to budget for rent or mortgage repayments in your budget, you're still having to cut back several thousand dollars a month from your personal cash flow. That often means the surviving parent has to work more at a time mm-hmm. when the kids need them more than ever. So it's more than just paying off a mortgage.
0: My last one for you is just if people are working with, with someone like you, an insurance broker, what are some of the, the questions that they should be asking when it comes to engaging someone like yourself?
1: I think it's really important to, one, make sure that they are an advisor. Make sure you're dealing with a licensed advisor. Uh, Two, make sure that advisor is someone that you feel comfortable talking to because there's going to be some personal questions that they have to ask you. So you need to be able to be open and honest with the person that you're working with. The next thing is some advisors are limited in who they can work with. They might actually work for one of the product providers. If I was working with an advisor, I would want to know that they're able to look at the whole market to get me the best deal that they can get. And the other aspect I think is you should be involved and you should be investing in your education. And that means asking good questions, finding someone who's gonna help you truly understand what are you covered for? What are the various outcomes? So I I want someone who's gonna say, if I died, these are the things that would happen for my family, not just, oh, I just need 10 times my income and that's enough. No, no, it needs to be personally tailored to you and your situation. So you want someone who's going to do that.
0: Planning times of peace for times of war, and sort of, it's, it's not always that nice um, red wine conversation to to have with your partner. But I often, say for, for people in a couple, just sit down one night when the kids are uh, in bed, or you've got a bit a bit of quiet time, get a bottle of red wine, and and start that conversation of right, what sort of outcomes would you want if the worst was to happen? It's probably not the uh, the the fun or, or sexiest of date <laughs> nights, but. um something that, that you need to have that open, honest conversation about. Yeah, I, I often mm. tell people,
1: like, I pose these questions to people and they're going, you know what, I have never thought about what? this. And I say, look, it's mm. not exactly dinner table conversation unless you're in my house. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> then we talk about some really <laughs> weird stuff. Um, Amber and I, you know, on our, on our podcast, we kind of joked about – you know, I, I'm no longer married. But when I was, we would talk about how if either of our husbands died, it would all be very well and sad. But we'd bet the funeral wiping our tears with hundred dollar bills. So, <laughs> so you know, the emotional pain couldn't fix that. But you know, financially, we'd be fine. <laughs> so, I've got a follow
0: up question. Have you yes? have you still got the policy against your uh, your ex husband? Sorry, I don't, I don't. That was a joke. Was a
1: joke. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> well played, well yes. played, my friend. Yep. Well played. <laughs>
0: but that would obviously be for security of your children i imagine oh, So yes, 100
1: percent um yeah we had a very open conversation and you know it went both ways something happens to me this is the plan mm. and you know being the financial planner money's kind of been the realm for me and you know there's very clear goals i even have a spreadsheet called if i die <laughs> so which has so many oh, things contact that. this person this is insurances these are where mm. the loans are and stuff like that and um you know go see this person it's it's very quite clear what needs to happen happen
0: that is fantastic and i think mm. that's that's a really great tip for people as well just having all that stuff there and even passwords and social media and all that sort of stuff like mm. I, I think we we should probably do another episode down the track we've had rebecca tetlow on talking about wills and estate planning but um yeah it'd be great to get you back for another episode to, to unpack the the death stuff a little bit more as well mm, but sure thing Catherine. thank you so much it has been fantastic having you along and really appreciate your your insight and expertise another shout out to uh the money madams and i'll I'll put all your details in the show notes as well
1: all right thanks for having me on the show
0: i guess that big take home is just around building that strategy and that framework for people based on what they need and and that needs-based approach thanks for everybody who's listening thanks for the feedback thanks for the likes and the reviews and um yeah we look forward to speaking with you again soon